Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Going to get straight into this word today. I've called it, I will do it. I love the I wills of God because when God says I will, then He will. Amen. Don't you love it when somebody says I will? I will turn up, I will come, I will be there, I will do this, I will do that. And don't you love it when somebody says, I will, and then they do. But when God says, I will, you can stake your life on that. And so today's word has come out, well, this word today is kind of a personal word to me. So if you don't mind just sitting in my lounge room this morning, I'm going to take you into my lounge room, which is what happened, and this is where this word came from. It was one of those very early starts to the day, and uh, it was 3.30 a.m. in the morning. There's no real significance about 3.30 a.m. other than you beat the sun up and most other people, but it was one of those 3.30 a.m. starts to the day, and uh, I was drawn to look at this scripture that I want to take you uh, into this morning. And I felt God began to speak to me. And I, I just love those times, those moments, those encounters that you're never quite sure whether this is something that you'll never share or whether this is something that God says, you know, talk to others about it. And so um, it was around a time with Jerusalem and the the character of the city of Jerusalem was a mess, to say the least. It was a, the city had become so polluted and there was, there was, you know, they were a people that had lost their way, lost their identity, lost their sense of purpose. Their true sense of uh, existence was lost and they'd made choices and decisions and those choices and decisions and directions was costing them the future that should have been theirs. There was no purity of worship in them. And they were a people that had gone about their own ways and yet there was still a religious um, spirit about them. And God's voice begins to speak into this time. And whenever the voice of God comes, you know there's going to be reformation, transformation, change of whatever He wants to do because when the I will of God comes, then God will do. And so in this very first chapter of the book of Zephaniah, it begins with these words, and I love these words. I, you read it a lot throughout Scripture, throughout different books of the Bible, and it always catches my attention before I read into the book. But Zephaniah chapter 1 starts with, The word of the Lord came to Zephaniah. And right there, it's an attention grabber to me because... Uh, it has been well said over the years that one word from God can change your life. And I know that to be true and I could take you through different times and seasons and moments and places when the word of the Lord came to us and it literally changed our lives. It, you know, changed us to such a point that we would sometimes change where we were living. We you know, you know our story. We moved from Western Australia to Brisbane based upon the Word of God. Now, we're not people that says God said this and God 
did that and we had this happen and that happen. But, you know, for the most part, you know, for us, when the word of the Lord has come, it has been an unshakable time. And it's been a time where we know, we know, we know without a shadow of doubt that we have just experienced the word of the Lord. Well, in this chapter of Zephaniah chapter one, the word of the Lord comes and it comes, as I mentioned, into a time of enormous loss. There was darkness. Jerusalem was in ruins. There was a lot of doom and gloom and negativity around uh, around the city. And uh, you could be forgiven if ever you've been in a time and a season like that where it feels like the negativity is outweighing the, you know, the hope and the positivity that you've got for the future. You could be forgiven for asking what next and where do we go from here because life has been altered so dramatically. We asked ourselves a few questions like that, going through COVID, coming out the other side of COVID. Now, that whole COVID thing may not have affected you in any real way, but certainly as a church, it did. And there were times that as leaders, we sat down and we said, where do we go from here? What does our next look like? And overlapping into this this year, because a lot can change in in a short space of time. But this little 3.30, well, it wasn't so little really, but this 3.30 a.m. start to my day just a few days ago, and the Lord took me into this scripture that I'm about to share with you, and I hope it means something to you today. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. Read it with me if you would, um, either on the screen or your Bibles or however that works for you. But Zephaniah 3.9 says, Then I will purify the lips of my people that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. We'll break it down further in, in the coming moments, but God began to speak to me, then I will purify the lips of my people. Now that's a challenge to me because, you know, I can so often speak without thinking and you say something and you wish that you'd not said that. Uh, Boy, how many times I've been caught out like that. You're in the thick of a conversation and all you want to do is pull out of that and, you know, our lips, our mouths can run away with us. But God began to speak to me very personally, very directly that we can so often be more comfortable with speaking about loss and the ruins and brokenness or devastation or discouragement or disappointment than we are about speaking about the magnitude and the greatness and the power of our God. And that's what the Lord began to get a hold of my heart during this more early morning start to my day. And, and I realised what a powerful force doubt is. Doubt is such a robber. Doubt is such an enemy. And how do we, the church, the people of God, deal with doubt? When you start to doubt your, the place that you're in, when you start to doubt your future, when you start to doubt the moment, you start to doubt whether God is even with you or on your side or going to help you through this experience. And if you stay in the land of doubt for any length of time, then it will create in you an indecisive mind. It will create in you a mind that fluctuates. 
and goes in and out of emotion and in and out of places of instability. And if you stay in that place for any length of time, it becomes such an enemy to your confidence. It becomes an enemy to your clarity and your perspective. It becomes an enemy certainly to our faith, which affects our future. And so when God began to speak to me about purifying my lips, I knew that He was dealing with me about my own personal doubts and my own personal place of having an indecisive mind. And doesn't the book of James speak to us so clearly in black and white about that? James chapter 1, verses 6 through to 8, I'll read it to you. It won't go on your screen, but it says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded and unstable in all, of, all that he does. And of course, the context of that scripture is spoken in a time of testing and trial. And you realise that God wasn't focusing about the nature of the test or the nature of the trial or the nature of the problem, but he was dealing about the believer and the real enemy was not so much the test or the trial, but the real enemy was the indecisive mind, the indecisive heart, and that place of doubt that we can get into because it will rob you of the courage and the faith to step into your future. And so when the Lord began to speak to me about purifying my lips, I realised that not only would it stay with the lips, but it was definitely move down into the heart that the indecisive mind can become bigger than the story that you're currently living in. I will purify my lips, he said. And, you know, we can, when we're in a time of difficulty, we can not just speak about what's happening, but we can start to speak against ourselves. And I think sometimes we forget that we are not our own, but we have been bought with a price. We've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that was a high price for Jesus to pay. That was a high price for the Father to release His Son for us. And we can start to speak against ourselves. And when we start to speak against ourselves, we start to speak about the gift and the anointing and the ability and the future that God has placed upon our lives that we are on planet earth to fulfill. Because doubt was the seed and the seed enemy in the mix. You see, many words get spoken at different times, but Here's where my gratitude lies this morning. What I'm the most grateful for above all else is the Word that God speaks. We live in a world in what we do here where many conversations and comments and opinions find their way to our door and you can get swallowed up in it all. But the Word that matters above every other Word is the Word that God has spoken and in Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, sorry, Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. It says, take words with you and return to the Lord. Forgive all of our sins and receive us graciously that we might offer the fruit of our lips 
And as God began to arrest and get a hold of my heart, I realised, God, I have to repent for the words that have flowed out of the abundance of my own heart and out of my own mouth. And I am not interested in allowing doubt to come before you, but I want to bring to you the word that you've spoken. I want to bring your words back to you. Because the fruit of our lips is what? It's our praise. And we spent a few moments this morning doing that. Never enough time. Never enough time. My goodness. We give God, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes in a service like this of praise and of worship. It's never enough. And I hope that this is just a glimpse and a representation of what all of our lives look like all the way through from Sunday to Sunday in your car, in your living room, in your place, your secret place with God, that out of the fruit of our mouths is praise to Him. The fruit of our testimonies, of speaking about what our God has done. I, and on this moment in early hours of the morning, as I slowly watched the sun started to peek through, the touch of God was there beautiful, tender touch of God. And he began to speak to me, don't, don't, don't focus on the loss. Don't focus on the ruins. Don't focus on what you regret. Don't focus on the past. Don't focus on what it used to be. But come before me with the fruit of praise for your future. What better words can we speak back to him? What better words can we speak to one another as we try to encourage one another in wherever our journey looks like or is today? I tell you, the latest conversations and the latest opinions won't get you very far. They won't get you very far. They will weaken your faith and your resolve in God like that. They won't get you far, but come back to Him and the Lord was starting to speak to me about a, not just a surrendered heart, but a repentant heart and a heart that, that was not, to, not in division with the Word of God. That He would purify our lips by His own Word. And the more I looked at, into this, I realised that God was going to take us on a journey of recovery and restoration, but it wasn't going to be done by our own strength or our own design. It would be done by bringing His words back to Him because His Word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So where do we go from here? We go into our futures with His Word upon our lips. Let your past and your failures stay there. Don't try and regurgitate them and dig them up. They belong where they belong. They belong under the blood of Jesus Christ. They belong dead and buried, but it's time for us to be awakened in our hearts that our futures are upon our lips. If you'd been in the room with me that day, then you would have heard me speak a certain way. God heard my words. He sees our words. And I began to speak about the future of our sons. And I began to speak about the future of our daughters. I began to speak about the powerful and the prevailing church. I began to speak about the overcoming church that God has great love for. 
that God has planted His church upon the earth. And I began to speak about a church that is strong and a church that knows its first love. I began to speak about a church that was courageous and a church that knows who she is and why she is here. I began to speak about a church that is loaded with purpose and loaded with praise, a church that knows her worth and knows how to worship, a church that is filled with those whose steps are directed of the Lord and so much more. I began to speak the words of God on how He sees His church in this hour, a church that has been through trial, a church that's been through testing, a church yet that when it's been through the fire will come through as gold. And then the scripture goes on to speak about shoulder to shoulder in verse nine. And it reminded me again of that amazing book, book of Nehemiah, where the gaps were closed and the people served with purpose and with unity, leaving no room at all for an enemy to enter and to create havoc and chaos. Wherever there's gaps, the enemy will come in for sure. That's his nature, that's what he does. He's an enemy who is a thief and a robber and it will start with doubt. And then it will move into an indecisive heart and it'll move into an indecisive mind. God began to speak to me about shoulder to shoulder, serving him side by side to serve his house, serve his purpose and to serve shoulder to shoulder with one another. Not that we would be task driven, just get the job done, tick that box, done, done, done. But that we would serve shoulder to shoulder and speak well of one another and speak well of God's church and speak well of the future that we're going into and speak well of what God speaks well of. Because it can't just be token behaviour. It's got to be something that flows out of the heart, out of our mouth, and we are decisive on this. You see in this next verse that we're going to look at together in Zephaniah 3.10, he spoke to me about the worshippers and the worshippers that are, are, are going to be gathered And this really excited me as I began to think and meditate. And you can imagine in a moment like this, I mean, you know, you're starting off with this and then as time started to roll on, the Lord became more specific with me. And he said in in verse 10 of that chapter three, my worshippers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. And the scripture reminds me that God's worshippers may have been scattered. They may have been under assault. But the Lord is going to gather up His worshippers. And it shows me just what pressure the church on planet earth has been under. That there has been a great divide that has been designed by the enemy And yet the heart of the Father is speaking, who reaches out always to rebuild, to restore, and to restore His worshippers. 
And I want to bring context to that. The worshipers are not just the ones that we see on a platform on Sunday. The worshipers are you and me. It's not whether we've got a great singing voice or not. It is about the worshiping heart. It's about the heart that is in love with Jesus and I've fallen in love with Jesus all over again. It is the first love experience, whether you like the sound of my voice or not, it is about a heart that lives out of a place of worship. It is the restored heart. And so for the worshipers, I began to pray. And I became a little more specific with this, but for the worshipers in the house of God that have laid down their voice, that have closed their mouths, that their heart has been closed, God is going to restore your heart so that your mouth is open in worship again. I would love to see a church here at Highway that we are louder than this team that our, our voices from front to back and side to side are so loud in worship and adoration to Him that if that team stopped, you wouldn't even be aware. That is a worshipping church. For the worshippers that have laid down their voices and laid down their instruments and said, I will not pick up that instrument again that may have previously had a path of intimacy before the King and today you sit quiet and you sit silent and your heart has become scattered. Here's what the I will of God is. I will gather up my worshippers. I will gather up my worshippers. You see, the sound of a worshipping church is a church that is furnished with the praise to their King, the name above every other name. The worshipping church is a church that knows its first love. And let me tell you, it's time to fall in love with Jesus again. To surrender to Him again. To have a heart that is fully given over to Him. The worshipping church is a church that knows its place, knows its authority and has enormous influence. You see, many times in life, Distractions come. Times when those distractions can be so fierce and they can be enormous. And the hum humanity in us wants to wallow and wants to worry. And doubt and indecisiveness becomes our daily thing. But then God gives us an antidote, a remedy, and He tells us to come through His gates. And to come through his gates with thanksgiving and to enter his courts with praise. And as I did that over and over and over, and I've done a lot over the last few months, every single time without exception, even if I was in a place of indecisiveness decisiveness or doubt or worry, and you make that choice and you make that decision, that God, I'm coming through your gates this morning and I am thanking you, I am thanking you, I am thanking you. And you enter his courts with praise and I give you praise for who you are, what you've done, what you're about to do. For surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
And as you enter that place with him every single time without exception, I was met with the peace of God. I was met with the strength of the Lord. You see, there is an enemy and he brings confusion and he brings doubt. And in chapter three, verse 15, God says this, if you're in that place today, God says, I have turned your enemy back. And the Lord, the King of Israel is with you and never again will you fear harm. Another I will of God. And I want you to know today, church, that there is not a person in this room today that hasn't faced pressure. Your pressure, your trial or your test may have a different name over it than perhaps mine. But nonetheless, nonetheless, our God is the same. He is the same God that is above your pressure. No matter what changes have come into your home or come into your life, your God is turning your enemy back. He is turning the enemy back. You do not have to go into your future fearing harm or loss for your future. You may be sitting here today thinking, I've missed it. I've missed it with God. And what has been lost has been lost forever. And I wanna say to you today, don't buy the lie. Don't believe that lie is not the Word of the Lord. The future that you thought should have been yours may have been shaken but heaven has not been shaken by it. And maybe this word today is in part at least something that you've needed to hear. Or maybe it was just for me and I'm just sharing with you what God spoke to me. Zephaniah's name actually means that the Lord has concealed and the Lord has protected. And there are some things in your life and mine that have been concealed for a time that is right. There have been some things in, in my life and in yours that the Lord has guarded and protected even if the fire came, even if the trial got, you know, fairly real. There are things, there are treasures in the darkness that will never become a manifestation until you have walked through the test and come through the trial. You know, the book of, James speaks about perseverance. Won't go into that right now because my time is nearly gone, but the fruit of perseverance, when everything around you says, run, quit, stop, give in, and you've laid down some things in that moment and in that season, but if you will persevere with these things that I'm describing today, that which has been concealed and protected in you, God will watch over it. You see, the pressure and the pain can lead you into your best years, into your most blessed place of all. Perseverance produces great fruit. None of us like it. I don't like it. I want life easy and without too many bumps in the road. But unfortunately, we live on a fallen planet where it doesn't go that way. And over this last period of time, perhaps like me, 
things have been tested and tried, your faith and your focus could easily have been distracted. Here as a church, at times our resources stretched and so much more, which I don't have time to go into. And then the word of the Lord comes. Don't you love that? You know, in amongst it, it's just like, and the word of the Lord comes. And God began to speak to me about future and not past. He began to speak to me about staying with the infallible word of God, the word that never changes. And my closing thoughts to you are coming out of this scripture, Zephaniah 3.16. Do not fear and do not let your hands hang limp. That description of hands hanging limp is, that, is hands that I am weak and I give up. I just give up. That description does not belong to the house of God. It doesn't belong to people that are born again and baptised in the Holy Ghost and power. That doesn't belong to people that know that the Word of God in them is alive and it's active and it's doing its work. Hands hanging limp doesn't belong to a church that knows its place and knows its authority and knows it's God, and people who know their God will do great exploits. Hands that are limp in defeat and oppression and confusion. You see, the posture of faith is that we would have heads lifted up. And that is not living in some place of denial or facade or fakeness at all. It is about a posture of our faith and our belief in a great God and the assurance of His Word that will produce the fruit that it needs. And God began to speak to me, the oppression is no more. I'm turning the enemy of oppression back. See, that place that brought you so much sadness and sorrow, here's the goodness of God over our lives. Here's His mercy. Here's His love for you that that place that's brought you so much sadness and so much sorrow. His word was, I'm not just band-aiding it, but I'm actually gonna remove it. I'm gonna take it out. That place of sorrow, He says, I'm taking it out. Because your place of wounding then becomes your place of worship. And your place of pain becomes then your place of praise. Look and see what the Lord has done in me. Your place of oppression then becomes your place of overcoming. And then no more will your hands hang weak and limp in defeat. So church, my closing words are this, and I'm just giving you what God gave to me that you're to hold fast to your confession of faith. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Don't lose a right confession, which then brings a decisive mind and heart. Zephaniah 3.17, he says, I will take great delight in you. And He will quiet you with His love and He will rejoice over you with singing. That tells me that God's in love with His church. 
that He's in love with you. Now, if you're a male in the room, that might sound too feminine, but God loves His people. He loves His sons. He loves His daughters and He has not given up on your future. And He says, quiet. I needed that word quiet because the noise had become fairly, fairly big. And the Lord began to speak to me out of this very verse, I am speaking quiet over you, which meant I am speaking my peace over you. I'm speaking quiet to the storm. I'm speaking quiet to that place, whatever your place is that you're in today. I'm speaking quiet to the noise. I'm speaking quiet to your fears. I'm speaking quiet to your doubts. And God said, I will do it. See, we are resting this morning upon the I will of our God. Here's the things that He said I will do apart from what I've already mentioned. He said, I will deal with those that have oppressed you. If you've been damaged by someone that's brought oppression to you, you don't have to deal with them. God says, I will deal with that. He says, I will rescue the lame, the ones that have not walked straight paths. There's a sermon all by itself. He said, I'm gonna rescue the lame. I'm gonna rescue the ones that have not walked straight paths. And in Zephaniah 3.20, He says, I will gather you at that time and I will bring you home. And lastly, in Zephaniah 3.20, He says, I will restore your fortunes before your very eyes. You see, God's on the move and He's on the move in our lives. We may be talking about a time over Jerusalem here, but I tell you, His Word is an everlasting Word. It's an eternal Word. And when the Lord gets my attention at 3.30 in the morning, I am paying attention. And I began to pray over your lives that if fortunes have been lost, that if the heart of the worship has been laid down, if your homes have been under assault, if those that have become hands have been limped by your side, I began to pray for you. And I want you to open up your heart to the restoration process of a God that is with you and for you. He is in your now and He's in your future. Can we pray together, please? Lord, we lift up our hearts, our praise and our attention to You today. I thank You, Lord, that that which You have spoken, You will do, and that which You've spoken, we will see with our very eyes. Lord, You know the people in this room, You know every one of their lives, their stories. You know every last detail. There is nothing that has escaped Your attention. And yet, Lord, Your Word breathes and speaks over this and over our individual stories. And we park our confidence and our faith. And Lord, I pray for people today that if doubt has become their enemy, I pray today that that doubt will be uprooted so that perspective and faith has a place to produce its fruit. In the Name of Jesus, church, give Him praise for His Word today, for His Word, for His Word.
Amen. God bless you.